If you have your Bible, you can take it and turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The title of this talk is, Why We Celebrate Christmas. And I'm going to try to do this and do it justice. I, I, I thought about doing Hebrews, uh, but I don't want to steal any thunder from what we'll do in a few months. And so... I began to think the text I was going to use in Hebrews was Hebrews 2, the text that I read from yesterday, Hebrews 2. And so I began to think this week, earlier before yesterday even, what would I preach if there was only one Christmas message in my lifetime to deliver? What would I say? What would I say to people who would come to a Christmas Eve Eve service if this was the last chance I had? Because the reality is it may be, not to be pessimistic about life, but none of us are promised tomorrow. So why not let it rip? As we approach Christmas morning, it's good for us to ask a simple question of ourselves. Why do we celebrate Christmas? To the world, it is reason enough to celebrate because we get out of school and because we get off work for a few days. Add to that the fact that most of the nation and even those around the world will heap to themselves toys and gifts and it's a grand holiday. So the world might ask, why would we not celebrate this kind of holiday? But that's a shallow reason to celebrate, especially here where we have more than enough. We sell better things in yard sales than the rest of the world ever accumulates in a lifetime. Why do we celebrate Christmas? I just want to offer some reasons from this text that I mentioned. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. First of all, we celebrate Christmas because Christ is the Lord of creation. Our text says so. Jesus Christ is the image of God. Verse 15, first part. He is the image. He is the icon. He is the exact represent, representation. He is the seal and stamp of God Almighty. He makes the invisible visible. He is the image of God. Very God of very God. John Owen said, as is also declared in the next place. Maybe I should say this. You need to buckle up. This is a John Owen quote. As is always declared in the next place. As he is the image of and great representative of God, even the Father unto the church in his divine person, as he was the only begotten of the Father from all eternity, he is the essential image of the Father by the generation of his person and the communication of the divine nature unto him therein. As he is 
incarnate. He is both in His own entire person, both God and man, and in the administration of His office, the image of representative of the nature and will of God unto us, which is fully proved. He is the image of God. He makes the invisible visible. He is the icon. Other religions have little statues which they bow their heads to and bend their knees. And we have the man, Christ Jesus. This is why we celebrate Christmas. There's no other reason. There's no other purpose. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. He's not just the image of the invisible God, but He is the firstborn of all creation. He has preeminence over all things that do exist. This doesn't mean that by firstborn that He came into existence because He he truly has eternally existed as the second person of the Trinity, the Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, wrapped in immeasurable love, and then they began to create. He is the firstborn, which is to say He is preeminent above everything else that exists. It is to say He is a special class unto Himself. There is no one like Him. He is not simply a mere step above humanity. He is God in the flesh. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the preeminent of all existence. Jesus Christ is Creator of all things. Verse 16 says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. When the Apostle Paul packs such density into a small space, our ears should perk up. Our hearts should begin to boil over. He's saying all things. What things, Paul? Everything. There's not one molecule that exists in this universe or in heaven or in hell, but what Christ didn't make it to exist. He is the creator of everything. Particularly, He is the part of the Godhead that made things exist. God the Father, see Him as the one who is the, is the, is the creator in the sense that He planned and purposed, but it's truly the Son who has created. In other words, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, John 1 says, Christ created the earth. Christ created the universe. Christ created the angels. The apostle doesn't just say that he created the things we can see. He said he created the things that we cannot see. He didn't just say he created earthly powers like kings and rulers, but he created the heavenly powers. Now this this article here, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, is not left to our estimation. Paul writes about them often. He says in Ephesians chapter 6 that it is these powers and rulers and authorities that we wrestle against, not flesh and blood. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These two were created by Christ. Now, He did not create them evil. He created them good. But in His all-encompassing plan and the all-encompassing plan of the Father, which they have both brought about to perfect existence, truly they planned for the evil that would occur without being guilty of evil. And I think it's important that we see that Paul says he's the creator. 
not just of the things we can see, but the things we cannot see, and not just of the good things, but of even the things which would be evil in the end. Some of you this Christmas season struggle with the evil that is in the world. You look around and say, how can God let thousands and thousands of innocent children die every day in other parts of the world from simple things like starvation and malaria and typhoid fever? How can God, if He is a good God, let such things happen? The problem of evil causes you to maybe not celebrate or pause in your celebration. And Paul does not pause. He says he's the creator of everything. Everything. And all of the evil which now exists, he didn't create, but he planned for. And he knows that it would exist. And he rules over it because he is preeminent. He created all things in heaven and earth. Visible and invisible, spiritual and physical. He created even the things that are now his enemies. That's what this text says. We celebrate this Christmas not because of presents, not because of time off work, not because we have no more exams, but because Jesus Christ is Lord of creation. Jesus Christ is the reason for all of creation. Verse 17 says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things, excuse me, all things were created through Him and for Him. So what He says is that nothing exists, in verse 16, without Him. And then it says all things exist for His praise and to exhibit His glory. That's another way to say what Paul just said in the end of verse 16. All things were created through Him. They exist for His praise. You exist on this planet for Christ's praise. You exist on this planet so that His glory might be fully revealed. You exist. Every molecule exists. Every animal exists. Every ruler exists. Every angel exists so that His glory might be fully displayed to this world. Jesus Christ is preeminent over all created things. Verse 17, and He is before all things. He's preeminent. He's above them. He's before them. And in Him all things sustain. That's the last thing in this first section. All things hold together. All things are sustained by Him. The physicists of this world spend hours, years, billions, trying to figure out what particle holds all things together. The problem is no scientific method can show you what the Bible shows you in a word. Christ holds all things together. They can break down particles until the very minute of the minute and they will not find the glue that holds the whole thing together. That's Jesus. He's the Lord of creation. We celebrate this week in a couple of days The birth of the one who made it all. Secondly, we celebrate because Jesus Christ is Lord of the church. We celebrate because He's not just created the earth, but then He created a bride, a church, of which so many of us are a part of. And if you're not a part of it, I pray that you will be. Jesus Christ is the one and only leader of the church. Verse 18, first part, and He is the head of the body. He is the head. He is the leader. He is the one from which it gets its existence and He is the one who has authority over it. It's His position. Any man that claims to be the head of the movement is a liar. Any church that claims to have the toehold on the church 
is untrue if it's anything less than the universal church. You can nail Church of Christ to the doorpost and you can put it in the founding stone that your church was founded in A.D. 33. But that doesn't give you right over all the church. Jesus Christ is preeminent. He is head. In Ephesians 5, 25-27, He is heralded by Paul as the head of the church, the husband that loves her and gave himself for her. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12-27, Paul says... Every one of us has blessed gifts because He has seen fit to give us those gifts because He is the head and all of the parts and members are held together by His Spirit which flowed from Him to us in giving us these wonderful abilities to serve and spread the gospel. Jesus Christ is the great Redeemer of His people. Therefore, He is and has preeminence in the church. The second part of verse 18 tells us why He is the head of the church. You might be arrogant enough to say, who gives Him the right to be the head? He is the beginning, the firstborn, there's that word again, from the dead. What gives him the right to be the head of his church? He died for her. No one else can claim that. No other religion dares to say that. God became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Where is the most pristine display of the glory of God to be found? Not in a manger, though that was glorious, but on a cross 30 plus years later. That's where we see the glory of God. And it's that event that tells us He has the right to rule over His church. So before you take any claim to any toe or any toenail of His church, please understand you've never died for her, therefore she doesn't belong to you. She belongs only to Him. Her one Lord, her one Master, her one Husband. He is preeminent over all things. We celebrate because He's the Lord of creation and because He is the Lord of the church. And third, we celebrate because Christ is the fullness. Verse 19. I know and and I respect and I humbly say I understand why they did what they did, but I disagree with what they did here. For in Him all the fullness was pleased to dwell is what the Greek says. It does not say the fullness of God. It does not say that. That was inserted by translators because they needed it to make to flow and to make sense. They took that, before you think, what heretics? Colossians 2 verse 9, For in Him the whole fullness of the deity dwelt bodily. And so they, they see that later in the letter and they go back to verse, verse 19 in chapter 1 and they say, Aha! That must be the fullness that Paul speaks of in this verse too. So we'll make it clear. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell is the way they wrote it. But the way the Greek reads is very difficult to translate. And it's very difficult to understand. And so I just tread lightly on the shoulders of those who have gone before me and who have said much better and more eloquent things than I could dare to say tonight in this short amount of time. But just let me say, I believe what he's actually saying is not that the deity was pleased to fully dwell in God. What would please God about that? I mean, the fact is, he is the deity. 
it's the will of God, the pleasure of God, that the fullness of deity would dwell in Jesus? No, He is the deity. That's what verse 9 in chapter 2 deals with. It, it was the fullness of the deity that dwelt bodily in Him. We get that. But that's not this. Listen to me. I believe one of the greatest reasons to celebrate what we are about to celebrate is because of this verse. I believe if you want to say, I'm a Scrooge, I don't celebrate Christmas, let me just give you an antidote to your Scroogeness. Colossians 1.19 What are we celebrating? The fullness. What is the fullness? Christ fully honored and fully glorified. What pleased the Father? What overwhelmed the Father with joy was to give to His Son the name that is above every name. That at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's what pleased Him. For in Him all the fullness was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of the honor due to God, Jehovah in heaven, was pleased to dwell in Christ all the fullness of the glory due to God and God alone was pleased to dwell in Christ. We beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians 2 says, It is because that fullness, that glory dwelled in Him and He humbled Himself lower than any of us could ever imagine that God raised Him up and seated Him at the right hand of the Father and gave Him the name that is above every name. So if you dare not celebrate Him this day, tomorrow, the next day, and 365 days of the year until you cease to breathe, and then you will celebrate Him for all of eternity, He is to be honored fully. He's worthy to be worshipped at Christmas. He is the fullness. Finally, we celebrate because Christ is the reconciler of all things. Verse 20. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Church, if you can't celebrate the peace that you enjoy with God the Father because He was pleased to build a bridge between Himself and the infinitely sinful one of us, you don't have anything to celebrate. Give up on life. Beg that the mountains might fall on you. But don't go on living in your mundane existence without knowing that this Jesus has reconciled you to the Father. Oh, when you peer into the depth of the love of God and you see that what's behind that love was the impending doom and wrath due to you and to me because of our rebellion and our sin, you can then say, I can celebrate because He has reconciled me to the Father. But His reconciliation is not just good for those who will believe, but His reconciliation is for those who will not believe. It's in a different way. He's not their chief cornerstone on which their faith is built. He is their chief stumbling stone on which they will fall over into the pit of hell. 
He will reconcile all things in His Son. Whether you are saved or lost, may I tell you, you will bow the knee and you will confess with the tongue and you will finally know from your heart and from your mind, this Jesus is Lord. And then you will inherit a whirlwind for all of your unbelief. And in that, He will reconcile your unbelief to His Son, through His Son to Himself. He will make Himself known as just for you. And He not only reconciles the Son of Men, but He reconciles all of creation. For in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says the creation now groans under the weight of the sin that was sinned by Adam. All of it locked away into sin for a season until it pleased God to give His Son who will then reconcile and make this earth totally new. He will reconcile all things Jesus Christ reconciles all events, all people, all physical, all spiritual things to God the Father, to the glory of God the Father, and to the glory of the Son, and to the honor of the Son. And how does He do it? Through the death of the cross. He made peace by the blood of His cross. This Christmas, you may say, I don't know, you know, my family is ravaged. With, this, with strife. My, my, my family is hurting because of a loss of a loved one. My family is ripped apart. You just don't understand my pain. Some of you may be sitting on a bad diagnosis right now. You're not sharing it because you don't want to ruin everyone's holiday special. But you're thinking, how is this going to be made right? And some of you sit in sin. And you waste away waiting for the day of your doom. I tell you, it is by the blood of His cross that He has made peace. And so, come to Him. If I was preaching the last sermon that I would ever preach, I would close it with these words. I would close it by simply saying to you, And I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb and by its light all the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations but nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. I would tell you to know that you're written in the book of life right now. Come to Him. All ye who are weary, and He will give you rest. Come if you are poor and cannot buy your own bread. He has purchased your bread. It is His flesh. Come ye who are thirsty. Don't drink water and die. For He has a fountain that never ceases to flow. It's called His Holy Spirit. And He is willing and ready to give it to you. Come to Him. All ye who want fruit of the vine. Your tongue longs for to be drunk with wine. And be drunk on the blood that is the fulfillment of that wine. His blood gives life to those who are dead. I'm calling you to come because His day of glory, full glory, is coming.
on this Christmas we celebrate because of Jesus Christ and because of Him alone. May He have all glory and honor and preeminence in His church now and forevermore.